Eat of the good things. Which good things? مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Which we have provided you. And after eating, what should you do? وَشْكُرُوا لِلَّهِ And also be grateful to Allah. إِن كُنْتُمْ إِيَّاهُ تَعْبُدُونَ If it is only Him that you worship. Meaning, if you truly worship Allah, then what should you do? Eat that which is طَيِّب And upon eating, also be grateful. Because eating well and being grateful, both of these are part of ibadah. They are part of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think about it, just a few verses back, we learned a very similar command. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ كُلُوا مِمَّا فِي الْأَرْضِ حَلَالًا طَيِّبًا O mankind, eat of that which is on the earth, that is halal and that is also tayyib. So Allah gave the command to eat well to who? First of all, to all people. And then after that, He gave the same command to who? To the believers specifically. Why do you think so? Eating well, eating nutritious foods, eating food that is clean, that is beneficial for a person's body, That's good for every person, whether he believes or not. Whether he worships Allah or not. Any human being, if he eats well, is it going to affect his health in a good way? Yes. If he does not eat well, is he going to become sick? Yes. But we see that eating good, eating well, is especially beneficial for who? For the believers. Why? What's the difference between a believer and a non-believer? A believer, he strives to worship Allah. He strives to please Allah. And in order to worship Allah, do you not need strength? Do you not need strength? Yes, you do. Because for worship, you need two things. A, you need your mind to be alert. Otherwise, you cannot have khushur in salah. You cannot reflect on the verses that you're reciting. And B, your body has to be strong as well. Like for example, if you're reciting Qur'an, then do your lungs have to be strong? Yeah? So that you can have long breaths? And you're not stopping at every other word? Yes. Likewise, if you want to fast, does your body not have to be strong? Of course. Similarly, if a person is going for hajj, it's a journey. And you are constantly traveling, constantly on the go, exposed to so many people. If your immune system is very low, if your health is not that strong, can you become sick? Very, very easily. I'tikaf, who can do it? Someone who has the physical strength. Standing in prayer, who can do it? Someone who has the physical strength. And we see that standing in prayer is something that's not simple, it's not easy. You have to stand in one position for a long time. Many people are not able to do that. When you're praying salah, you have to move around so much. Many people are not able to do that. We see that a believer has to be strong. He has to be strong. This is why in a hadith we learn that al-mu'minul qawi, 
that the strong believer is khayrun, is better, wa ahabbu ilallah, and more beloved to Allah. Than who? Than the mu'min that is da'if, than the believer that is weak. So the strong believer is better, and he is more beloved to Allah than the weak believer. Although in both there is goodness. Why is a strong believer more beloved to Allah? How is he better? Because he's able to do more. He's able to achieve more. And we see that good health, good health, a strong body, an alert mind. What is that based on? It is based on healthy eating habits. I'm not saying eating a lot. No, it's based on healthy eating habits, good eating habits. When a person eats well, then his body will be good. And as a result, he will have the energy, the strength to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see here that Allah addresses the believers, Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed. And remember that whenever a command is given in this way, with the harf nida, Ya أَيُّهَا Then what does it mean? The command is? Okay, for attention. Why would you demand somebody's attention? Because what you're telling them is very important. It's very necessary for them. And الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed, your iman requires this from you. Your iman demands this from you. If you want to perfect and complete your faith, then you must fulfill this command. And if you do not fulfill this command, then what does it mean? Your iman will be lacking in some way or the other. And we see that when a person does not eat properly, then he's not able to worship Allah properly. And when he's not able to worship Allah properly, will that not affect his iman? Of course. So, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ Eat of the good things. كُلُوا This is the plural of كُل Not قُل as in قُل هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَد That is قُل as in say with a قَاف This is كُل with a كَاف From Hamza كَاف لَام أَكَلَ أَكَلَ He ate كُل You eat كُلُوا All of you eat so kulu, all of you eat from what? Min tayyibati, of the good things. Eat of the good things, and tayyibat is a plural of tayyiba. And tayyiba, is anyone named tayyiba? Does anyone know a person who's named tayyiba? A person whose name is tayyib? It's a very good name. It's from the root letters ta-ya-ba. Ta-ba. Taba, not taba. Taba to repent. This is taba. Taba is when the heart finds something pleasing and it is also satisfied with it. So basically, tayyib is something that you like and it also satisfies you. You like, you're happy with it, it makes your heart content and if you think about it, if I were to ask you, what do you like? What would you say? If I were to ask you, what do you like? What would you say? Come on, what do you like? Yes, what do you like? Apple pie. Why do you like apple pie? Because it tastes good. Why else do you like apple pie? It tastes good, you eat it, you enjoy it. And when you're having it, you don't feel that guilty because at least you're having apple. 
right? It's a dessert, but you're having apple, so you think, okay, never mind. You know, it's healthy for my body in some way or the other. So you like what benefits you. Not in principle, because many things benefit us in principle, but we don't have to like them. But you like what you think benefits you, whether it brings pleasure to you, or it satisfies your desire. You like its aroma, you like its appearance. When you eat it, it actually suits you. So for example, you're having something very spicy. At that time, you want Coke. You want a glass of cold water. So it suits you. You need it, you want it. And when you will have it, it will fulfill you. So, tayyib has been understood in a number of ways. First of all, it is said that tayyib is that which is clean. Tayyib is that which is clean. It's the opposite of khabis. Khabis is that which is impure. And tayyib, opposite of that, clean. Secondly, tayyib is also understood as that which is pleasing. Meaning that which a person finds pleasing. He likes it, he enjoys it. Thirdly, tayyib is also used for something that is beneficial. In Arabic it is said, بَلْدَةٌ طَيِّبَةٌ In the Qur'an also it is mentioned, بَلْدَةٌ طَيِّبَةٌ وَرَبٌ غَفُورٌ So, بَلْدَة, a city that is طَيِّبَةٌ What does it mean by that? Meaning, the environment is very good, the air is very clean, the land is very fertile, it's beautiful, it's scenic, it's pleasing, and it's also beneficial. When you put something in that land, something grows out of it. So, what are the three meanings that I gave you so far? Clean, pleasing, beneficial. And fourthly, it is also used for that which is suitable for somebody. I mentioned to you earlier, rihum tayyiba, Wind that is tayyiba meaning favorable. It's blowing along with you so that the ship propels faster. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here that, كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ Eat of the good things. Earlier we learned that eat of whatever that is in the earth. And in the earth we see that there are many things that grow. Some things are beneficial for people and other things are not. For example, water. You find sweet water, meaning palatable water, and you also find salty water. You find cold water and you also find hot water springs. If you have salty water, is that good for you? No. Will you enjoy it? Not at all. Salty water has its own reasons why it's there, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it. It is there, but it doesn't mean that it's tayyib for us. Likewise, we see that there are some berries that if you eat, very good for you. Very good for you. But at the same time, there are some berries which may be poisonous. There are some animals, if we eat, very good for us. But other animals, if we eat, not good for us at all. So Allah has created many, many things on the earth. And He tells us, eat of whatever you want. But there is a condition, as we learned earlier as well. Halalan tayyiban. We learned that earlier. And over here to the believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says specifically, Kulumin tayyibat, eat of the good things, eat of the clean, the beneficial, the nutritious things, those things that suit your body, that fulfill your need. Don't just go on eating to fulfill your desires, rather eat that which is tayyib. We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us many commands 
in our religion. Many commands, whether it is the command to pray, the command to be good to people, the command to obey our parents. Likewise, Allah has also commanded us to eat. Likewise, there are certain things that are forbidden. For example, killing others. Likewise, stealing other people's property. Likewise, backbiting. Some things are commanded and other things are forbidden. And remember that all of these commands, all of these ahkam that Allah has revealed in their religion, they are for a specific purpose. They are to fulfill certain objectives. And those objectives are known as the maqasid of the sharia. The objectives of the sharia. Why is it that Allah has given a certain command so that certain objectives are achieved? And what are those objectives? They are mainly five. Okay, the maqasid of the sharia, what are they? Five. First of all, the preservation of deen. The preservation of religion. So if Allah has, for example, commanded us not to have alcohol, why is it so? Because if a person has alcohol, he is drunk. Is he not going to end up missing his salah? Is he not going to end up missing his salah? Yes. Likewise, if Allah has told us that a Muslim woman, for example, may not marry a non-Muslim man. A Muslim woman may not marry a non-Muslim man. Why is that so? So that her religion is safe. Her religion is secured. Because if she were to marry a non-Muslim man who is going to decide everything for the family, he doesn't agree with her on her religion. You think he's going to care about her religion? No. Her worship, her religion is going to be affected. So this is the reason why Allah has given us certain commands and prohibited certain things. The first purpose is what? The preservation of religion. The second objective, the second reason is the preservation of wealth. The preservation of wealth. So for example, if Allah has forbidden us that we cannot steal, we cannot cheat other people. Why is it so? So that the properties of people are preserved. They are not harmed. Thirdly, the preservation of lineage. The preservation of lineage. So this is the reason why Allah has forbidden zina. Zina. That two people who are not married may not establish relations with each other because if they were to have a child, who would that child belong to? It's not fair for a child to grow up like that. Likewise, if the father does not know who his child is, he has no idea, then this is not right. This is not healthy for a society. And this is the reason why also we see that adoption is forbidden. Adoption in the sense of adopting a child and giving that child your name. And pretending in front of the child, pretending in front of the entire world that that child is actually your child, whereas he's not your child. Why? Because in the lineage is not preserved. A child thinks that he belongs to a family, but he's not actually of that family. The fourth of the maqasid is preservation of intellect, the preservation of our aql. And this is the reason why, for instance, we have been told not to consume alcohol, not to consume any drugs. Why? Because they affect our intellect. And another reason is the preservation of human life. The preservation of human life. So this is why, for example, qatl is forbidden. This is why, for example, we have been told to eat halal and tayyib. 
to eat haram in the state where our life is at threat. So haram generally not allowed. But in the case where your life is in danger, then eat haram even. Because of the maqasid of sharia is that your life should be preserved. So what are the five? First of all, religion, preservation of religion. Secondly, wealth. Thirdly, lineage. Fourthly, intellect. And fifth, human life. Now when Allah is telling us, كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ O believers, eat of the good things. Then what objectives does this achieve? Preservation of human life. Human life. Because if a person says, no, I'm going to be a monk. I'm going to stay away from everything. I'm going to become an ascetic and I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to eat fresh food. Then is it not going to affect his body? Is it not going to affect his body? Of course it will. In our religion, we see that rahbaniya, asceticism, that when a person stays away from fulfilling his worldly needs even, for the sake of worship, this is something that's not allowed. There must be a balance. So Allah says, min tayyibat, Eat of the good things. By this command, our health, our body is being preserved. That eat of the good things. Don't just eat anything, but eat of the good things. Now, tayyibat, I mentioned to you the four meanings. First of all, it has to be clean. What does it mean by clean? Something is clean in two ways. When it's physically clean, meaning in the tangible sense, and when it is clean in the intangible sense as well. What do I mean by that? Clean, like for example an apple that has been washed, it doesn't have any dirt on it. All the pesticides that were on it have been washed off. So there are no germs on it. Now, that same apple, if you stole it, if you took it out of somebody's lunch bag, if you picked it from somebody's garden, somebody's private property, and they have said, no trespassing, you're not allowed to come here, you're not allowed to take any fruit. If a person takes the apple from there, is it clean for him to eat? No, it's not clean for him to eat. It is not halal for him to eat. Likewise we see, there could be a piece of meat, let's say it was chicken, and it was cooked but as you cut it open, it's pink in the middle. It's pink in the middle. It's raw from the middle. Should you eat it? No. Why? Because it can cause you to become severely sick. Okay. If there is a piece of chicken that you find from any ordinary butcher shop that's not Muslim, let's say a person who doesn't believe in any God, any religion, he's not a Jew, he's not a Christian, not a Muslim, not a Hindu, he's an atheist. He's the one who slaughtered the chicken and you pick it up from the grocery store and you cook it and as you cut it, it's completely white through the middle. Is it still clean for you to eat? No, it may be cooked through. If you eat it, it won't affect your health. However, is it clean? It's not clean. So, tayyib, first of all, means clean in the tangible sense and in the intangible sense tangible sense. It should be clean. And secondly, it should be halal. So tayyib, it includes halal. 
when tayyib is mentioned on its own, it includes halal. Because a person might say, oh previously, when all people were addressed, it was said, كُلُوا مِمَّا فِي الْأَرْضِ حَلَالًا طَيِّبًا Over here Allah does not say halal. Does that mean we have to eat halal? Yes, we do. Because tayyib includes halal. So, it has to be clean in the tangible sense, in the intangible sense. And remember that something is halal when it's halal in and of itself, and also halal in the way that it has been acquired. So for example, if you have a piece of, let's say, pork that you bought with your own money, can you eat it? No. You bought it with your own money, still can you eat it? No, you can't because it's not halal in and of itself. Likewise, if there's an apple, but you picked it up from the grocery store and didn't pay for it, put it in your pocket, came home and ate it, is that halal? No. So it has to be halal in both ways. Secondly, Pleasing. What does it mean by that? That eat that food which is enjoyable. Eat that food which you like. Isn't that amazing? And he, Allah is so loving, He's so merciful that He's telling us to eat what we like to eat. Because everything that Allah has created that is good for us to eat is tasty. It is delicious. Which is why we see that if there's something that you don't like, there might be another person who loves it. There's a particular vegetable, it's called bitter gourd. Generally, people don't like to have it because it's very bitter, as you can tell by the name. But there's a friend of mine, she loves it. She's been having it since childhood. Her mother would squeeze out the juice of that vegetable and she would make her drink it. So she's so used to having it, it's not a problem for her. Likewise, we see sushi. I see different reactions. There are people who love sushi and there are others who like who cringe at the word of sushi. Okay? Some people find it delicious. Other people can't go near it. Chicken. Some love it. Others cannot stand it. So we see that everything that Allah has created that is good for us to eat, it is pleasing in its taste. It is good in its taste. However, we see that everyone's Preferences are different. It's not necessary that what you like, I like that as well. And what I like, you like that as well. And we see this, that even the Prophet ﷺ, although he was of the most grateful servants, he did not like to eat everything. We learn from a hadith in Bukhari that the Prophet ﷺ never ever criticized any food that was presented to him. If he liked it, he would eat it. And if he did not like it, he would just leave it. Once locusts, locusts, there is a particular lizard of the desert. That was presented to him to eat and he said no. He refused to eat it. He didn't want to have it. So the companions, they asked him, is it haram? He said no. But he just didn't like it. That's why he didn't eat it. So we see that everyone has their own preferences, their own choices. And we should eat what we like, but if we don't like something, don't start criticizing it. Don't start criticizing it. So for example, if a person does not like to have, let's say, lentils, beans, then don't talk badly about it. If a person does not like to have a certain vegetable, don't talk badly about it. If you don't like chicken, don't talk badly about it. Just leave it, don't have it, don't make a big deal out of it. When something is haram, we're not to like it. Okay? When something is haram, even if it looks good, it smells good, we're not going to like it. 
And it's good if you naturally are averse to it. That the thought of, let's say, pig or pork, you know, it repulses you. So there's nothing wrong with that. So anyway, pleasing. Thirdly, beneficial. So when you eat, eat that which is most nutritious, most beneficial for your body, for your health. It is wholesome. It is filled with nutrients and vitamins. It's not food that is going to be bad for your health. Rather, it is good for your health. I remember once I got the cereal box. It was the small box of cereal. So I was reading the nutritional value. And my husband and I, we were discussing that perhaps the box has more nutrition than what is inside the box. Really. Many times we just go for the taste. We go for what we like to eat and we ignore the nutritional value. Always look at the nutritional value as well. Is it beneficial for me? Because a person may have a whole lot of unhealthy food and he may have a little food that is very good for him. What is better? Little food that is good for him. Recently there was a, a guest that had come over to our house and... Um, We had barbecue and there was dessert at the end. And I was very surprised when they took the food in their plate. They took only like a few pieces of meat, one or two only, a little bit of rice and some salad. And I was like, okay, maybe they're afraid that the food is spicy because they weren't Pakistani. So I thought maybe they're afraid that the food will be spicy. So we tried to comfort them. You know, there's no spice in this food. It's good. It was made on the grill, on the barbecue. But they still had very little. And then when the time came for dessert... We offer them dessert and they're like, no, thank you. And you feel like, what's wrong? I mean, you're giving food to somebody and they're not eating. Is there some issue? And they told us that they were on a diet. They were on a diet and every day there was only a certain number of points that they were allowed to eat. For example, meat would have certain points and salad would have, I don't know how many points and rice would have, I don't know how many points. So they were only allowed to have a certain number of points. And she said, I have to pick my choices really with a lot of attention. I can't have dessert because if I have that, I can't have anything else. So she was so careful about what she ate, how much she ate. She took the very best and she left out what was not as good for her. And we asked her, doesn't it affect you? Like, don't you get exhausted by eating very little? She said, no, I actually feel very good. I feel very energetic. You know, my weight is perfect. I feel very good about myself. I have more energy. So when you choose the best for yourself, it is actually very good for you. So beneficial food. And then suitable as well. Suitable for your body. It's quite possible that, let's say, milk is something that's very good, full of nutrients for you. Something that you need. However, if a person has a sensitivity towards it, if they have an allergy for dairy, then should they have it? They shouldn't. Even though the Prophet ﷺ loved milk, even though we learn that in Jannah there will be rivers of milk, should they have it? No, because it does not suit their body. It will cause them to become sick. So, كُلُوا مِنْ Eat of the good things. And eat of the good things that مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Which we have provided to you. رَزَقْنَا رَزَيْقَافْ رِزْقْ What is risk? Provision. So, eat of the good things that we have given to you. Meaning, Allah has given to us. A person might say, No, I went to work. I worked for an entire week. 
I got the paycheck, I went to the grocery store, I bought the food, I got it for myself. How did Allah give it to me? And a person might say, I got it from the grocery store, and it was packaged, it was prepared in a factory. So how did Allah give it to me? Allah gave it to you. How? That Allah created the means through which you could obtain the food. Allah created the systems through which food would grow and food would come to your table that you would be able to eat. So ma razaqnakum. Your work, your money, the factory, the farms, the farmers, all of these people are what? They are just the means. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses means to give us His blessings. For example, water. We could just have water in front of us whenever we want it. Because Allah can give it to us like that. But Allah uses the means to give water to us. How? That the water is evaporated into the sky. And then the rain falls down. The water is purified. However, it's preserved in places like lakes and in underground reservoirs. And from that we extract it. And from that we drink it. Allah uses means to give us rizq. And in this is a test. That do we get lost in the means? Do we think that the means are everything? Or do we go back to who is the actual giver? The actual muhsin. So, كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Which we have provided for you. And this is something that we must realize. Everything we have, whether it is food, water, work, money, family, knowledge, this is the gift of Allah upon us. And if we think that no, it's because of our intellect, it's because of our technology, it's because of our own efforts that we have it, then this is pride and Allah does not like that. Do you know about Qarun? Qarun was a man from Bani Israel and Allah had given him a lot of wealth. And he said, إِنَّمَا أُوْتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ عِنْدِي I have been given all of this wealth because of this knowledge that I have. Meaning I earned it. I got it myself. And you know what happened with Qarun? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the earth to swallow him, him and all of his wealth. So saying that we got it ourselves, it's our technology, it's our systems, then this is pride and Allah does not like it. So كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Which we have provided for you. And this teaches us one more thing. That when Allah has provided us طَيِّبَات to eat, then what should we do? Eat of those tayyibat. Enjoy those tayyibat. Many people for no reason, they make certain tayyib foods literally haram on themselves. I'm not saying that they say it is haram, but it is as though it is haram on them. They will not go near it, they will not have it. And unfortunately many children, and also many girls have noticed, also many boys have noticed. You know for example, girls will say, I don't have fish. I don't have seafood. Why? I just don't have it. Why? What's the reason? I don't know. I just never have it. Try it? No, no. Have a little bit? No. It's possible that the smell bothers you. The taste bothers you. But think about all the nutrients that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in that. For you. So that you may grow, your body may benefit, you may have the energy. And if you survive on chips and soda all the time, then you're not going to get all those nutrients. If you eat only grains and no meat, 
and no vegetables, then you are depriving your body. And it's not right. So when Allah has created tayyibat, then what should we do? We should eat those tayyibat. We should enjoy those tayyibat. And honestly, sometimes we've just developed these fears in our minds. Okay, I can't eat it. That's it. Why? Ask yourself, what's the big deal if I eat it? I'll throw up? Okay, fine. Dare to eat it. And it's okay. You can try. You know, sometimes you just have to break the habit by force. I remember when I was growing up, it was Eid al-Adha and on Eid al-Adha you see a lot of animals being slaughtered. And sometimes it just really gets to you. You see one animal being slaughtered after the other. You see blood, you see intestines, you see skin, you see tongues, you see heads, you see feet. So sometimes it really gets to you. So it was Eid al-Adha and I guess I saw too much meat, too much blood. And I was like, I can't eat this meat. And after that, I think several months, even several years perhaps, I didn't eat meat. Because I was like, no, I can't have it. And then when I studied the Qur'an, and I read these verses, I thought it was ungrateful if I didn't eat the meat that Allah was giving to me. There are so many people who cannot afford to have it. There are so many people who have health conditions because of which even if they can afford to have it, they cannot have it. And Allah is giving it to me for free. I don't have to buy it. I don't have to cook it. It's prepared for me, brought to me. All I have to do is eat it. And I'm so ungrateful that I don't want to touch it. I don't want to eat it. So this is not right. This is ingratitude. And sometimes people think that if you become a vegetarian, if you become a vegan, I mean you're becoming so good, you're becoming so cool. There's no coolness in becoming a vegetarian. There isn't. I mean, milk is something that will be in Jannah. Milk is something that the Prophet ﷺ was offered up in the heavens when he went for Mi'raj and he had it. He had it. Meat is something that the Prophet ﷺ had. At Hajjat al-Wada' he slaughtered a hundred camels. And he took a piece from each camel that was prepared together which he ate and he also shared with the rest of the people and the rest of the meat of the animals he gave in charity. So the Prophet ﷺ, he ate meat. He did. We know from a hadith, Aisha anha says that the Prophet ﷺ would give her a piece of meat to eat and she would eat from the bone and he would then eat it from the same place. So there are many evidences in the sunnah which show that the Prophet ﷺ ate meat and we think that we should not eat meat and that will make us more righteous, more pious. No, it will not make you more righteous. Righteousness is in doing what Allah likes you to do, what Allah has made halal for you. And remember that when a person consumes halal, even that is ibadah. That is an act of worship. In a hadith we learned that the Prophet ﷺ said that when a person approaches his wife to have marital relations, even something that a person is rewarded for, this is the gist of the hadith. And the sahaba were like, even for that? I mean, this is fulfilling physical desires. And he said that if you weren't to do that, then you would do haram. So fulfilling your needs, your desires in the halal way is also an act of worship. So when you eat halal food, what is that? What is that? What is that? An act of worship. So, كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Which we have provided for you, 
وَشْكُرُولِلَّهِ And be grateful to Allah. And you know, when it comes to, for example, eating meat, if you look at the human body, our body is such that we are physically, biologically capable of consuming vegetables as well as meat. Look at the teeth that we have. Look at the teeth that we have. We have teeth that are sharp, that are used for tearing meat, and we have teeth that are different, that are used for chewing vegetables, softer foods. And our stomachs, and our bodies. I mean, we are biologically, physically capable of eating these foods. And this means that we should enjoy them. وَشْكُرُوا لِلَّهِ And be grateful to Allah. وَشْكُرُوا شِينْ كَافْرَا Shukr. What does that mean? Shukr. Shukr. It is said that linguistically it means thana, praise. To praise somebody. So if somebody gave you a gift that you really liked, you say, you know, mashallah, your choice is so good. They gave you, let's say, some clothes that you really liked or some fragrance that you really like and you say, wow, I love your choice. You're so good at this. You're praising them. But why are you praising them? Because you appreciate what they did. If somebody is very nice to you, say, I love you. Thank you so much. May Allah give the same to you. May Allah give you such and such. You praise them, you make dua for them. Why? Because you are appreciative of what they have done. So shukr is praise. When a person is grateful to Allah, then he is praising Allah. But technically, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word shukr, it doesn't just mean praise, that praise Allah. No. It means more than that. In sharia, it means qiyam bita'atil mun'im. That the mun'im, the one who has given ni'mah to you, you remain in obedience to him. That is true gratitude. The one who has given blessing to you, the one who has given a gift to you, you remain in their obedience. You obey them. So for example, if you're very grateful to your parents for whatever they've done for you, for whatever they've given you, for whatever they've taught you, what does it mean? If you're very grateful, what does it mean? That you listen to them. You obey them. Likewise, if a person is very grateful to Allah for what Allah has given to him, then what does it mean? That a person says, Alhamdulillah, and then do whatever he wants? No. That a person remains in obedience to Allah. And remember, shukr, gratitude is expressed in three ways. In the qalb, through the lisan, and also through the jawarih. In the heart, first of all. That a person knows, he feels, he realizes that this food that I'm having, this food that I'm enjoying, Allah gave this to me. This realization in the heart, that Allah gave this to me. Allah created this for us. And not just realization, but happiness as well in the heart. Excitement. You know like, if somebody gives you a gift, let's say somebody gives you an iPhone, an iPad, and you're like, you know in the heart that, okay, your dad got it for you, but do you just know in your heart? Aren't you happy in your heart? Aren't you excited in your heart? It's a shukr in the qalb. Then the lisan, that a person also says words of shukr. So for example, when a person is eating, after he eats, what does he say? What does he say? I'm so full. The food was okay. 
Not that great. Is that what we should say? What should we say after we eat? Alhamdulillah. Hilladi at'amana wa saqana wa ja'alana muslimin. Alhamdulillah. Utter words of gratitude as well. And thirdly, through the jawarih, through the limbs, that upon eating, a person doesn't just go and sleep, but he does something. The energy that he got, he doesn't use it to sit in front of the television. No. He doesn't use it to harm other people. No. He uses it in ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes. So he uses that energy to worship Allah, to please Allah. Think about it. Allah pleased you. Allah made you happy by giving you the food that you enjoyed. So what should you do in return? Make who happy? Allah happy. So kulu min tayyibat, so you may be happy. And then washkuru lillah. Be grateful to Allah to make Allah happy with you. Kulu min tayyibat, and then washkuru lillah. Be grateful to Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ, he once said that, O oh people, indeed Allah is tayyib. Meaning He is pure. لا يقبل إلا طيبا He doesn't accept except that which is pure. Meaning if you give in charity, give what? That which is good, that which is clean. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ And Allah has commanded the believers the same which Allah commanded the messengers. And what is it that Allah commanded to His messengers? That, يَا أَيُّهَا الرُّسُلُ كُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَاعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا إِنِّي بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ that all messengers eat of the good things, eat of the good things and do righteousness. Do those things which are good deeds. وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا And remember that Allah knows about what you're doing. So Allah commanded His messengers, eat of the good things and do good deeds as well. And the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah has given the same command, same instruction to who? To who? People who live on Mars? Us. Human beings. That we also eat what Allah has given to us and we are also grateful to Him. Lillah. And we see that gratitude, it means that the food we have, should we complain about it if we don't like it? Should we complain about it? No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Because unfortunately, the more we have, the more picky we have become. The more choices we have, the more picky we have become. The more food we have to eat, the more ungrateful we have become. We're not grateful for the fact that we have soup to have, but we complain about the fact that it's either too bland, or it doesn't have chicken, or it has too much chicken, or it doesn't have vegetables, or it has too many vegetables we have started to complain more. So, وَشْكُرُوا لِلَّهِ Be grateful to Allah. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he instructed Mu'adh ibn Jabal that after his salah, he should say, اللَّهُمَّ أَعِنِّي عَلَى ذِكْرِكَ وَشُكْرِكَ وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ That, O oh Allah, help me, assist me, that I should remember you, and I should be grateful to you, and I should worship you in the best way. Because a person cannot be grateful unless and until Allah gives him the ability to do so. وَشْكُرُوا لِلَّهِ Be grateful to Allah. إِن كُنْتُمْ إِيَّاهُ تَعْبُدُونَ If it is only Him that you worship. 
Meaning, if you truly worship Allah, إِيَّاهُ Remember the word إِيَّاكَ? What does إِيَّاكَ mean? Only you. So if it is only who, meaning him, تَعْبُدُونَ That you worship عَيْنْ بَادَالَ Then what should you do? If you truly worship Allah, then what should you do? Eat that which is tayyib. And secondly, and secondly, be grateful. Give thanks. Generally when we think about eating and drinking, do you think it has anything to do with our religion? Typically, do people associate food with worship? No, they don't. They think that these are completely two different things that have nothing to do with each other. But we see here that food and drink and worship are connected. If a person truly worships Allah, then he will eat well. And he will also be grateful. Because eating good, like we learned earlier, eating halal is also an act of worship. In kuntum iyahu ta'budun. Let's listen to the recitation. Everybody stand up. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnakum washkuru lillahi in kuntum iyyahu ta'budun When do we eat? When we're hungry? And? When else do you eat? Only when you're hungry. Seriously? Yes. When you are depressed, when you're worried. Many times it happens that when a person is going to have their exam, they just keep munching. They get a packet of chips and they're like munching, munching, munching. Nuts, eating, eating, eating. Okay, when you're socializing with other people. You have nothing to do, so you just bring them a drink, you get yourself a drink, you bring them some snacks to eat, and you eat those snacks as well. Although you had dinner, you had lunch, you're not hungry, you don't need to eat, but you're eating for just socialization. When you're bored, you can't figure out what to do, so you go into the kitchen, you open the refrigerator, okay, let me just have some juice. As a reward, yes, like for example kids, if they do something good, you give them a lollipop. Yes? When you're lonely, that's also when you tend to eat a lot. Because you don't know what to do. Same thing, bored. Yes? When you're watching a movie, when you're sitting in front of the television, it's like a movie, experience is not complete except with popcorns and soda. When you're celebrating something, when you're craving something. It happens sometimes that a woman is pregnant and although she doesn't really need to eat, but... She feels like having watermelon at one o'clock in the night. And the husband rushes to the grocery store and he gets watermelon for her and she has it. And she really wants to have a burger. And she orders and by the time it comes to her, she's like, I don't think I want it. So anyway, we eat for different reasons. Not just because we need to eat. Allah says over here, Kulu, eat, no harm, no problem. But when you're eating, be careful about what you eat. Check before you eat. What are you eating? Is it tayyib? And then after you eat, don't forget to thank Allah. Because you were nervous. You started having your chips or your nuts. Okay? And then by the time you finished, you felt a little... Okay, good. Likewise, you were thirsty. You got a bottle of Coke. 
of juice and you had it and you feel really good about yourself. You feel fresh all of a sudden. Likewise, a person may be sad. A person may be depressed. We learned from a hadith that Aisha anha, she said that whenever somebody would pass away, the women would get together to offer condolences. And after that, Aisha anha, would say to them that prepare talbina. So the people would prepare that and that was given to the family of those people whose relative had passed away. So we eat at different occasions for different purposes. This verse tells us, eat no harm. But when you eat, eat that which is good and then be grateful to Allah. So when you eat, for example, don't just sit there doing nothing, get up and do something. When you eat, don't just finish eating and start talking about other things. Say Alhamdulillah, be grateful to Allah. Once the Prophet ﷺ, he was very hungry. In Medina, you know that the circumstances were very difficult for the Muslims initially. So he was very hungry. He couldn't find any food. And he was outside and Abu Bakr who he also came to him. And Umar when they came to him. So, you know, all these people were hungry. And they said that nothing except for hunger brought us out of our houses. And then they went to a companion's house. And what was the name of that companion? The companion in whose house the Prophet ﷺ first stayed when he came to Medina? Abu Ayyub Ansari. So they went to his house and he had land and he had date palms. So they went and they asked where he was and his wife said that he was out in the fields, in the orchards. And when he found out that the Prophet ﷺ was there, he came quickly and he brought some dry dates, he brought some fresh dates, and then he brought some cool water, and then he slaughtered an animal, prepared some meat, and offered that to the Prophet ﷺ and the companions. And when they ate, after that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, these are the blessings for which we'll be asked about. Allah says, ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمٍ then you will be asked about the blessings. You will definitely be asked about the blessings that you enjoyed. So the food that we eat, it is part of blessings. The food that comforts us, the food that relaxes us, the food that brings us pleasure, the food that brings us excitement, these are blessings that we are going to be asked about. So be grateful. Because when a person is grateful then he's worshipping Allah. And the purpose is achieved. So, in kuntum iyyahu ta'budun. In this verse, we see that Allah is telling us to eat. We see that there are two extremes when it comes to eating. Generally. Either people will eat and eat and eat to the point that it's very unhealthy for their bodies. Their bodies become obese. They develop certain health conditions, high cholesterol, Whatever that condition may be, you might say that certain conditions are due to genetics, okay, but it's also caused by the diet of a person. So eating excessively. Another extreme is not eating at all, or eating very, very little, to the point that a person becomes sick. And both of these extremes are found in the society. And I'm not saying amongst non-Muslims, even within Muslims. We see brothers, we see sisters, who are either eating excessively to the point that their health is getting affected, or they are not eating enough to the point that their bodies have become so weak, so frail, that 
they look much younger than their age or much older than their age. Their bodies are extremely weak. They're either overweight or they're underweight. And there could be psychological reasons behind that. A person might have a certain body image complex or whatever. It may be psychological reasons that a person is not eating. Or it may be desire issues because of which a person cannot resist eating certain foods. Whatever reason it may be, the cure is here. What is the cure? Eat. But eat what? That which is tayyib. So for those who eat excessively, what's the answer to their situation from this verse? That eat that which is tayyib. Eat that which is tayyib. And because Allah has said, be grateful, you cannot worship Allah if you've eaten too much. And for those who eat very little to the point that their bodies are weak, to the point that they're malnutrition, then what is the answer to that? Allah tells us, kulu, kulu. So eat just because Allah is telling you to. Don't eat because your parents are forcing you. Don't eat because the doctor is telling you. Eat because Allah is telling you to eat. Kulu. And when you eat because Allah is telling you to do so, then you will see the benefits of that. Kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnakum. Washkuru lillah in kuntum iyyahu ta'budun. And we see that in certain conditions, eating is actually something that is fard. Can you imagine? Eating is an obligation. Just as salah is an obligation, likewise eating also becomes an obligation in certain conditions. Can you think of a condition? Yes? When you're breaking your fast, when else? When not eating would cause harm to your body. When it will cause harm to your body. So in that situation, remember that eating is as important as praying. It is fault on you. In other conditions, it is mustahab, it is mubah, in other circumstances. Now, here Allah tells us, eat well, eat good, fix your eating habits. And this means that we should be very conscious and careful about what we eat. Especially when? In the month of Ramadan. Because you have only two main meals that you can eat. In the morning, and one at the end of the day. So they must be very good they better be very good, otherwise you cannot fast properly. So there are some things that Sister Suhaila will share with you. Assalamualaikum. Um, I was actually reading an article on Productive Muslim. Um, I think it's called Ramadan Nutrition or something. You can look it up. It's a really good article and uh, it's talking about how Islam has blessed us with like this perfect meal plan, basically. So in the time of Ramadan, I think a lot of times we... We mess up our suhoor and our iftar. We eat like whatever we want for suhoor. We'll eat like a piece of paratha or something. And that's enough for suhoor. Peace? And then at iftar... I don't think it's a piece. <laughs> okay, we'll eat five, maybe six. <laughs> okay. And then iftar, we'll eat everything that's in the kitchen. So that's actually backwards. So according to the sunnah, according to this article, it's actually better... Like suhoor is the time for fueling for our entire day. So at suhoor is actually when we're supposed to eat our main meal. And there's actually a lot of uh, suggestions for suhoor in that article, like chicken breast and eggs and things like that, like nutritious things, things that have enough protein, carbohydrates, and fat that get you through the entire day. And it should be good quality food, not like cake. Cake has carbs in it, but not good carbs. (laughs) Too much sugar. Exactly. And the time of iftar, that's not the time for fueling. That's the time for rehydrating because the whole day you haven't had any water. So in the article actually mentioned that dates and water is a sunnah to break your fast. 
But dates has this special characteristic that when you have a date and then you have water, you get more out of that water than if you just had the water. So that was, I thought that was amazing. So dates are part of the rehydrating effect of iftar. And at iftar, you should be having small meals throughout the evening because um, that lowers your metabolism. That helps you in your fasting the next day. And it helps you to rehydrate. So have some water with you throughout the night, like while you're going for taraweeh, when you're at home. Keep some water with you and keep sipping it. So that's, that's actually how you get through Ramadan. <laughs> so if we just remember this, that... The time of suhoor is fueling your body. And the time of iftar is rehydrating your body. And then eat accordingly. Because if you eat very little at suhoor, then what's going to happen? You're going to end up sleeping most of the day. You're going to end up tired most of the day. And if you eat too much at the time of iftar, you won't be able to stand in taraweeh. So remember these two principles. And always eat a balanced diet. Many times people eat blindly. What are you eating? What food group does it belong to? We have no idea. You know, we think potatoes, vegetable, eat as much as you want. You know what people say about potatoes? That they should remain underground. They should remain underground. So anyway, we should know about what we're eating. What is the nutritional value so that we can benefit from what we eat. Okay? Eat to live, not live to eat. Let's listen to the recitation. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnakum wa shkuru lillahi wa shkuru lillahi in kuntum iyyahu ta'budun 